Hi, this is Dr. William Balanoff, and this is Dentistry Goals. And what we want to talk about today is oral cancer screening. And we're going to talk about where the science was, where the science is, and what you should be doing in your dental practice. And I hate to use this expression, but in this particular case, I have to. If you're not doing anything adjunctive or oral cancer screening, <clears throat> please forgive me. Shame on you. Horrible, 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 horrible. You got to start doing some stuff. Let me kind of talk to you about where things were um, when I was a younger dentist. Oral cancer, and we're going to talk about that particularly, but when you include it into all the cancers of the body, oral cancer is the only cancer that your body will be able to get now whose death rate has not decreased in the last 50 years. The medical world has been pretty good about all of this stuff. They've figured out ways to screen patients for cancer and to treat the cancer early to prevent further disease and possible death. And we as dentists, although we have the tools to do this, we've chosen not to do this. And quite honestly, as a dental professional, I'm a little bit ashamed even to talk about it. So let's kind of talk about the science of all of this stuff. And at the end of this podcast, my job is really to convince you to upgrade what you're doing for your patients. Because not only is it good dentistry, but morally it's a responsibility. So when I was taught as a dentist um, how to screen for oral cancer, it was a very typical kind of thing. We do a head and neck palpation. We're going to go ahead and palpate along the sternocleidomastoid chain of lymph nodes. We're going to do bi-digital palpation in the floor of the mouth to make sure that we've got, uh, you know, that the sublingual and submandibular um, salivary glands have mobility to them, but they're not indurated. And then we're also going to take a piece of gauze. We're going to pull out the tongue and look at the lateral border of the tongue. Then we're going to pull out the tongue and have the person say, ah, and take a little peek inside there and look around. And we're looking for something that's red or white, but typically something that's white. And a white plaque inside the mouth is called a leukoplakia. Leuco white, plakia, plaque. You know, so a white patch inside the mouth. That's what we're looking at because most oral cancers start out as a leukoplakia. And in dental school, we had to like know the difference between a leukoedemia versus a leukoplakia. And God knows there were a lot of questions on all of our pathology examinations and certainly on the national boards that we took to distinguish between the two of those. And for years, that's all I did. And I treated a lot of head and neck cancer patients throughout my years. You know, a lot of these people with part of their jaw missing. And my job was to try and help them prosthetically. And what I realized is they're coming in and I'm going to fix them up a little bit. I'm going to make their life a little bit better. But for the most part, all of those patients were dead within one year. And it was sad. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, for God's sakes, this is the best we can do as dentists to allow these patients to get to a stage three or a stage four squamous cell in their, in their mouth. And now we're taking out half their tongue or part of their jaw. And, and the, the mortality is like 80, 90% within five years. And the path to death is a horrible one. So just about that time back in the 90s, the late 90s, um, one of my sales guys reaches out to me and at the time, Patterson Dental had an exclusive on this product called Visalite. And I, I didn't really know much about it, but the sales rep, this guy, Scotty Jones, was a great guy. 
um, he kind of explains to me what Visalite is. And I learn about the science of it. And I thought, this is kind of clever. So what is Visalite? Visalite is a product that uses chemiluminescence, a chemically generated light, chemiluminescence, of a certain wavelength that will <clears throat> detect a leukoplakia that the naked eye typically is not able to see. So the way they got 510K clearance to have Visalite used inside the mouth was that the oral mucosa, the lining of the mouth, is very similar to the cervix of the vagina. So that when gynecologists were looking for leukoplakias or cervical dysplasia, potentially cervical cancer, they were using an acetic acid wash, which is vinegar, vaginally, and then using this light vaginally to detect a leukoplakia. And then this company, Xyla Pharmaceutical, out in Arizona said, well, since cervical tissue is very similar to oral tissue, I think we can get 510K clearance with the application as a predicate device. Meaning, if you cleared it for gynecology, you should be able to clear it for dentistry. And they did. And it turns out that there are, of course, some um, differences, but for the most part, a lot of similarities. So the oral mucosa in the cervix is very much the same histology. So now they're going to start to use this. And they go around and they're, and they're trying to sell their product because they realize that early detection is going to save lives. And I'm like just thrilled over this product. I think it's just the most amazing thing. And I reach out to the company, and this is some business lessons besides us talking about the science of oral cancer screening. I reach out to the company and I call up the, uh, call up the company and said, I love your product. And, and I think what you're doing is an amazing thing, but you guys just don't understand dentistry. And, uh, and, and it's a shame that dentists aren't using this. So I get a call a couple hours later from the VP of sales. And he's like, what let's let me hear your story and i tell him he's like you are really amazing and interesting i want to like learn more about your passion for this whole entire thing i'm going to be on a plane tomorrow from phoenix and i want to have dinner with you tomorrow night because i want to learn about how you think we should market this to dentistry and i thought it's kind of odd but okay fine so the guy flies all the way out from phoenix arizona his name is jeff mazzarella very very nice guy smart guy and he says what are you thinking I go, well, you, you don't understand how to sell this to dentists. You know, I mean, everything that you're saying is all true, but you don't get dentistry and you're going to fail in the marketplace unless you truly understand dentist. So we spent a lot of time and he said, well, would you like to become our spokesperson and give a lecture? Because obviously you have a passion for it. I go, yeah, I, I mean, I'm more than happy to do it. I go, I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but I'm more than happy to help. He goes, no, you'll be fine. So that's how I kind of got involved with my first company. And here's what I learned over the course of time, that dentistry hasn't done anything adjunctive to screen for oral cancer. And some of the examples I would use when I give these lectures and these talks to my dental colleagues is I would say, just imagine <clears throat> you're gonna go to your medical doctor for a physical examination. And you walk in and the guy asks you to take your shirt off or the gal asks you to take your shirt off and you remove your shirt and your pants and they're gonna take a look at your body and, and that's all your medical doctor does. Like, that's it. Just uses their eyes. And, and you would immediately say, hey, doc, um, you know, do you mind whipping out the old stethoscope and listening to my heart and my lungs breathe? And can you hook me to an EKG machine and, 
Can you get the scope and look into my ears and my nose and make sure that everything looks there? And can you look into my eyes and can you do a colorectal palpation of my prostate? I mean, can you do other things than just using your eyes? And the medical doctor would say, oh, no, we've been doing it this way for the last 50 years. And although the death rates have not improved at all, I'm going to continue just to use my eyes to examine you. Well, imagine that's the same analogy in dentistry. We've decided that our eyes are good enough and we don't need to use anything adjunctive to find things. So how does that compare to the rest of dentistry? Well, we can't see interproximal decay. So what do we do once a year? We take bite wing x-rays. <clears throat> and why do we take those bite wing x-rays? To try and find incipient decay interproximally before it becomes a big problem so we can remove the decay when it's less invasive to the patient. And why do we take panoramic x-rays? We usually do those th every three to five years. We take panoramic x-rays to screen for possible disease in the patient's jaws so that we can find it early on so that we can prevent a bigger problem later on down the road. And why do we take a full set of x-rays every three to five years? For exactly the same reason. We want to find disease early. So if we're using x-rays to find hard tissue disease, decay and, and bone loss because of periodontal disease, why don't we use adjunctive measures to look for soft tissue problems? It just makes sense to me. So <clears throat> I go around and I'm talking about all of this great stuff and I want dentists to start, start using adjunctive technology, whether it's Visalite, Velscope, Oroscope, there's all different kinds of lights out there of a particular wavelength and we'll explain the science in a second to adjunctively screen patients. So as I would meet more and more docs and I would interact with their offices, I would hear some doctors say, well, I don't want to do it. I'm like, why not? They go, well, what if I find something? And I go, why is that a problem? He goes, well, I don't want to be responsible for telling the patient they have cancer. I go, you never would be. And they go, what do you mean? And I said, well, doc, it's not your job to diagnose cancer. In fact, I don't even think you have the skill set for it. I go, I know I don't. He goes, well, what am I doing? I go, your job very much like the GP is to find something that's abnormal. And they go, well, what do you mean exactly? I go, well, when I go to my internist and they do an EKG on, machine, on the machine and they find something abnormal on my EKG, does the internist diagnose any heart disease? He goes, no. I go, what does the internist do? He goes, well, they re refer you to a specialist, like a cardiologist. I go, exactly. So your job as a general dentist is to screen for oral cancer. Your job as a general dentist is to find something abnormal. And if you find something abnormal, refer that patient to a specialist, an oral pathologist or an oral surgeon. And if they deem it necessary, they're going to do, do a biopsy and a diagnosis. Your job is not to diagnose the leukoplagia. Your job is just to identify that a leukoplakia exists. So if you find something abnormal, refer them out. That's your job. And then the doctor said to me, he goes, well, what happens if I refer them out and it turns out to be nothing? And I go to the doctor, I go, why are you afraid of that? He goes, well, I don't want the patients to think that I'm stupid. I go, how in the world are the patients going to think you're stupid? He goes, well, because I didn't know what it was. I go, you're not supposed to know what it was. I go, it's very similar to the medical model again. 
when I get referred out from my internist to me to to the cardiologist to like look at something abnormal on my EKG, and it turns out to be nothing, am I mad at the internist? I'm singing that person's praise. Thank you for referring me out. It turns out that there was nothing wrong with me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for looking out for me. I'm just so happy that you're my medical doctor. Your dental patients are going to have the same reaction to you. You refer them out to the oral surgeon for an evaluation of possible biopsy. 99 out of 100 times, literally those are the statistics. It's going to be absolutely nothing. Patient's going to come back to you. It's like, hey, doc, thank you for referring me out. Thank you for looking so intensely into my mouth. I truly appreciate it. And the one out of 100 times when it turns out to be something bad, like a squamous cell, you now can take credit for probably saving that patient's life because you found it early. And early detection means a less invasive course of action, a less invasive surgery, and less, and hopefully not any radiation or chemo to treat that particular cancer. So that's like a big, big deal. So what's the science, science of all this chemoluminescence and, and why does it work so well? Well, it turns out that as the cells become dysplastic, meaning they start to change in their internal morphology, the cell tends to divide at a more rapid pace. And in order for a cell to divide at a more rapid pace, the nucleus inside the cell becomes enlarged because it has to produce all this DNA, split the DNA, and then to divide the cells. So the nucleuses of cells that are going through some metaplastic um, you know, uh, process you're going to see an enlarged nucleus. An enlarged nucleus makes the cell more dense, meaning that there's more nucleic material inside there. So now a light of a particular wavelength now is going to hit those cells. And cells that are, at, cells that are normal with a small nucleus and a lot of cytoplasm, which is a lot of water, the light goes right through those cells. There's no reflection. But in the cells that are dysplastic, the light now hits this nucleus, which fills up most of the cell and the light bounces back at you. And that's when you can start to see the dysplasia, the leukoplakia. Now there are a couple of other things inside the mouth, an erythroplakia, which is red, and an erythroleukoplakia, which is a red-white lesion. If it's a red-white lesion, it's almost always cancer. An erythroplakia, you can usually see it with the unaided um, eye because it's red and it's gonna stand out. But the leukoplakias are a lot more subtle. And by using adjunctive oral cancer screening, regardless of the manufacturer, so I'm not supporting any one over another, you'll be able to see a leukoplakia faster with chemoluminescence or any type of particular wavelength device, whether it's a battery power device or chemically activated device. You're going to be able to see that leukoplakia faster. So your job now is to refer that patient out for evaluation of possible biopsy. That's your job. And if your hygienist is not doing it to every patient once a year, then again, shame on you. So what does it all cost? I've seen it as low as $0 and I've seen it as high as $300. Whatever you decide to charge, if the patient decides for whatever reason not to have the adjunctive oral cancer screening every single year, then mark it in the patient's chart that the patient refused it. Because here's how it works in the legal world. 
The number one reason why dentists get sued is failure to diagnose periodontal disease. And the jury award is somewhere between fifty dollars and $100,000 for that. Because the worst case scenario is the person loses their teeth. And we can replace their teeth with implants and fixed bridges. But if you fail to diagnose oral cancer, which is the number two reason why dentists get sued, you can potentially kill that person. And for that, the courts and the juries are a lot more punishing. The typical malpractice award for failure to diagnose oral cancer is over a million and a half dollars. And if the limits of your professional liability is say $500,000, anything over that you are personally responsible for. So if the jury award comes back for a million and a half dollars and your insurance is covering you for 500,000 or a million dollars, you owe another 500,000 to a million dollars on top of the uh, what your insurance is gonna pay. So you have a reason to do that. And I've talked about this in other podcasts. There are three reasons why we do things for patients and only three reasons. Reason number one, what's best for the patient? What's best for the patient is the patient is screened for soft tissue diseases like oral cancer. What's best for the patient is to use something adjunctive above and beyond your eyesight to look for disease inside this patient's mouth. We already deal with x-rays. We can identify hard tissue disease very well. Please, please, please use something adjunctive to screen for oral cancer. And if you find it, don't be ashamed or nervous about the, what the patient's gonna think. Refer the patient out for an evaluation and possible biopsy and know that you did the right thing. That is what's best for the patient. That's rule number one. What's rule number two? We want to protect ourselves from a liability situation. The number one reason dentists get sued, failure to diagnose periodontal disease. Guess what they don't do? They don't put the periodontal probings inside the patient's chart and make a note inside the chart that you told the patient that they've got bone loss associated with periodontal disease. Guess what happens with dentists with oral cancer? They don't put a note inside the patient's chart stating that they screen the patient for oral cancer or that they refer the patient out for, a, for evaluation of possible biopsy. And even worse, that they don't put a note inside the chart that they did something adjunctive to look for oral cancer. Because if the patient ends up with oral cancer and you didn't do anything adjunctive to find it ahead of time, the lawyer's going to ask you one question, doctor, what is the standard of care? And if you say, oh, the eyes are the standard of care, and the lawyer's going to say, well, isn't there anything adjunctive that you can be using to look inside the patient's mouth? And you'd have to respond, yes, there is. And the lawyer's going to say, why didn't you use it? It's like, well, I didn't want to spend the money on the technology. So doctor, are you making your medical decisions on spending a couple hundred dollars on a light and now our patients lost our client has lost half their jaw because you decided to get cheap about a light this is what the lawyers are going to do to you this is exactly what happens so you knew not doing anything adjunctive to screen for oral cancer i'm going to say it again shame on you we have the technology to do it it's relatively inexpensive <clears throat> and at the very least at the very least you have to offer it. And if the patients say no, put it in the chart that you offered it and the patient is declined and the act of oral cancer screening, and then put in the chart at the very least that you had a visual oral cancer screening and you retracted the tongue, you looked at the lateral border of the tongue 
and you did bi-digital palpation of the floor of the mouth, and you did bi-digital palpation of the sternocleidomastoid mastoid lymph node chains. That's what you've got to put in the chart. You're doing what's best for the patient. You're protecting yourself from a liability situation. And if you do those two things, rule number three is you're allowed to make money. You can charge for the examination and that's okay. So again, please do it. It's what's right for the patient. If you want to talk about all this stuff one-on-one, -on -one, please reach out to me, 954-683-2693. If you need some help marketing-wise to put adjunctive oral cancer screening into your office newsletter, we can help you with that. Bethany, who's our social media and marketing director, she will help you with all of that stuff. That's what you need to do. You need to tell the patients, your patients via a newsletter that you're doing adjunctive oral cancer screening and they should expect it once a year in the hygiene room. That's who should be doing the screening for you. And if your hygienists are a little bit nervous about understanding this stuff, guess what? You have a free resource, Bill Balanoff, me. I'll be more than happy to train your office on a Zoom call for free. Reach out to me. My phone number is 954 683 2693. Smile Perfected is here to help your practice. Bethany will help you with the marketing. I'm going to help you with the education. We're doing it for free. That's how important this is to me. So, Doc, do the right thing. Do what's best for your patient. Protect yourself from a liability situation. And it's okay if you make money doing this kind of stuff. It's what your patients expect, it's what your patients deserve. Thank you very much for your attention. This is Dr. William Balanoff, and this is Dentistry Goals.